This is The Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. It sure is. I'm very glad you're with us. We've got a man coming on the show today who makes people more beautiful. We've got an Olympic athlete on the show. But first, Andy Burns is in the house. And uh, how do we describe you, Andy? Genius. Bon woke vivant. Up, woke up one morning with a killer <laughs> idea and it worked. Uh Andy's my colleague here at SiriusXM. He's also the author of the book Wrapped in Plastic Twin Peaks. It topped uh, multiple Amazon charts upon its release in uh, 2015. For 10 years now, I think, you've been uh, running the pop culture website Biff Bam Pop. And uh, that that's that's 10 years old. Yeah, yeah. It was Mazel just, uh, thank you. Yeah, we just celebrated our 10-year uh, anniversary uh, in August, which is just crazy that something that uh, isn't full of jerks has been around for 10 years on the internet. Well, one of the things I love about you is you do, you love pop culture. Yes. You wrote cover stories on Twin Peaks, American Psycho, Swamp Thing. I don't even know what Swamp Thing is. You never saw Swamp Thing back like I don't know what it is. I had a date. You know, <laughs> a bad date I had. It's, it's, a, it's a comic book series that was created in the 70s. Um, that did very well. But then in the early 80s, there was a movie with um, Adrian Barbeau. Oh. And um, I'm surprised you didn't see it. It's, the, was the swamp thing like swampy and it was ugly? All green and mossy. Um, but very like very like bulky and it was it was kind of it's become a, a cult classic. It's not the best movie that's out there. But, um, you know, when I, I wrote an article a couple of years ago, because I think it was like the 40th anniversary 45th anniversary of the character so uh it's it's you know sad because the guy who created swamping there were two guys one guy is the artist his name is bernie wrightson legendary horror um artist who passed away a couple of years ago now listen to you you know it all you're a savant i'm I, it's I, it's i'm something listen, yes go but, on but I also interviewed, so it was co-created by a guy named Bernie Rice and then another fellow by the name of uh, Len Wein, who did, um, he also created Wolverine for the X-Men. Got it. And sadly, I think my interview with Len was one of the last, if not the last he did, because he, he he had myriad health issues for years. And uh, he ended up passing away not long after that uh, that article came out. But yeah, I'm, I'm just a pop culture guy. That's, Were you always? Yeah. As a little boy? Uh, you know, yeah. Do you remember, uh, do you remember the TV series V? No, no, it was no. How about, old are you? I'm, I'm 41. Shh, go away. So, there was a TV series in the... Oh, yes. Yeah, yes, with yes, aliens yeah, and yeah, they yeah. and they yeah, were yeah. lizards underneath. And yeah. I, you know, I, I was obsessed with that when I, when I was a kid, when I was seven years old. And I started writing stories in, you know, my grade two, my, my grade three classes. You know, we would have creative writing and those mm. were... I wrote so many V stories that my teacher said to me after a while, she's like, can you come up with something else? Because you're just doing the same. Like they were different stories, but always based in that world. So I, I've, yeah, I've always been a pop culture guy. See, when I was in school, I was put in a special writing class because I had some aptitude for writing, and I wrote a big long soap opera. Did you really? It was 300 pages soap opera. So wow. soap operas, I can I can I can handle my own on, but not the vast array of you're sort of like superheroes, uh, weird stuff. Horror movies. Yeah. There's no glam, really. No, no. It's, it's you know... It's, it's the it's the dude stuff. Yeah, I mean, to it, you know, but I don't know, man. Like, at this point in time, I don't think... I don't think... You know, neither superheroes or, or horror is pure dude anymore. Like, it's such not, a... Not thanks to Wonder Woman. No, but you know what? All, if you if you look around in the in the horror community, there's... there It's, you know, what, what used to be perceived as kind of a very, you know, male-centric genre is... Um, there's so many brilliant female horror writers and actors and it's you know it, it certainly was you know back in the day you know very you know kind of perceived as a, as a dude thing but you know th things like it horror, has morphed 
Oh, yeah. And it's I, cool to be a geek or a nerd who's into all this stuff. Absolutely. I mean, and you know what? But there's so much quality out there. Yes. You know, I mean, there's there's the crappy stuff as well. But there's a lot of really creative people um, across the board doing really cool things in genre writing. Well, back in the day when you were just a wee little lad. Yeah. September 1978, Stephen King published The Stand, a massive post-apocalyptic story that captured the imagination of his growing legion of constant readers, introducing them to his ultimate villain, Randall Flagg. Now, that was 1978. That means that this year... 40th anniversary And of the only stand. you would wake up in the morning and realize <laughs> that... And that's why I wanted to have you on because I'm a big believer, A, in you You follow what your bliss is, what your passion sure. is, and it is, it's worked out so well for you. And, and we always encourage that. But you also woke up, as every single person has done at least once in their lives, with an idea in the morning. Yeah. With a genius kind of little thing. Yeah, it was, um, it would have been last, it was last February, February of um, 2017. And the backstory to to how this came about is I was a freelance writer. I am a freelance writer, uh, among like all the all the stuff that I do. And at the time, I was writing for Rumorg magazine. And a couple of months earlier, I'd been I'd been given a book to review by a guy named Richard Chismar, and the book was called uh, Long December, and it was a book of suspense and horror short stories. I read this book, and it was fantastic, mm. and, and I reviewed it. Um, you know, glowing review is my favorite book of 2016. And, you know, the, the great thing about, you know, there's, there's so much, you know, hatred on the net, but there's the great thing about the web and things like Facebook is you can find people that you like and you can admire and you can actually go to them and say, Hey, I really like what you did. Yes. And so I found this guy named Richard Chismar, who is the publisher of, um, of a boutique uh, horror press called Cemetery Dance. And I, I emailed Richard or I messaged him on Facebook and I said, Hey, I reviewed your book. I'm going to send you the link to the review. I, you did great. It's, it's an incredible book. And, and, you know, we became friendly on Facebook, chatting every so often. You know, he wanted me to make sure, like, I sent him, like, pictures of the review so he could pass mm. Anyway. Um, and so one of the things about Richard was he is very – he became very good friends with Stephen King. And ah. they co-wrote a book that uh, called Gwendy's Button Box that came out in 2017. And uh, it was New York Times bestseller. And how many books has Stephen King put out now? You know what? I I totally have lost count. But I'm gonna you know let's say for arguments like nine hundred. There you go. You can't you can't. Well, I mean you could argue, but why would you want to? No. Um. So you know, and one of the things that Richard Chismar's Cemetery Dance does is they put out limited edition copies of Stephen King books, and they also they'll create you know let's say you go and you buy a copy of um of the stand in in you know at chapters or yeah. indigo uh one of the things that cemetery dance does is they will they create sort of like um like like a slip case that you you know to protect your books and they're limited edition and they do very well so um so february last year i i kind of woke up one morning and i realized or you know it was probably like a thought is i of I wonder when the stand turns 40 because I'm a, I'm a little bit of a rain man when it comes to numbers and thinking about. We've noticed. <laughs> but that's, you know, I think about dates in, yeah. in numbers and, oh, it's been 40 years since this. Or, you know, I do it in pop culture life. I do it in my own life. And so I looked up when the stand was turning 40. It was September 1978 uh, was, the, was when it came out. So it would have been September it was this month. And so I, I had this idea. Wouldn't it be kind of cool? 
to tell the story of The Stand because this isn't just a book that was written and put out into the world at the end. This was a book that was published in 1978 and was heavily edited and not for quality's sake, but it was edited for commerce uh, because if it was about 878 pages. He writes a weighty tome. Yes, he does. And, and it, But it, they wanted it edited so they could, they could have it at a particular price point so right. they wouldn't have to mark it up. Um, so, you know, that was 1978. In 1990, uh, 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 the, uh, the complete edition was released. And all the really, really good stuff that King had to edit out himself, he put back in. So for people like me who've never read The Stand... Yeah, no spoilers. ...seen any of it, um, tell us why this is important, that this book, 40 years later, matters still. So this It's is, interesting, but why, is it, why does it matter? Okay. Um, because we <laughs> of all of his books, you know, why the stand? This is one that you know when it came out in 1978, it was very popular, um, and it it was the book that King would often hear was you know a favorite of many, if not most, of his readers. It deals with apocalyptic themes. It deals with the it, you know the main the crux of the story and like the elevator, the elevator pitch is basically um it's the end of the world uh a virus is unleashed and kills off 99 percent of the population well that could have been written yesterday yes and it is something that is so timely even though it's 40 years old that that's that is probably there's many reasons why it matters in you know it introduced characters that have become fairly fairly significant in stephen king's world but i think the fact that this was a book that could have been written yesterday that still resonates in the world that we live in. I think that's why speaks, it matters. Six volumes. Absolutely. Book joke there. There you go. Uh, exclusive interviews in the book with Stephen King experts. Why does this author have experts on him? Uh, you know, there's, you, uh, you pick another author who is Mary Higgins Clark, right. for example. But, why doesn't she have experts? But they, she probably does. does you know, she? You, absolutely. You know what? Why does. You know, every author who has made an impact, there are people out there that go and that they study them and that they, you know, some authors are just kind of, you know, happy to be, you know, put their books out. But then others are kind of they develop deeper worlds. They impact people in a different way. Stephen King is one of those writers. And, you know, by having such, you know interesting narratives and you know recurring characters and themes it his work opens itself up to interpretation i did note that one of the experts is ralph macho is not that like the, the actor? no not the karate uh, kid okay no the guy that you're referring to is actually he works at marvel comics and he's been an editor there for a long time is uh, that interview in fact in the so basically the book that has come out of all this is called this dark chest of wonders 40 years of stephen king's the stand and it is a look at all the permutations that this story has taken the original novel, the revised novel, miniseries, audio book, comic book. Um, and so I went out and I interviewed people that had been, you know, that had been involved in all the various um, versions of it. Now, is this the first time you've woken up with a good idea in the morning and acted on it? A lot of people, the reason that it doesn't happen for them is they don't act on it. They brush it aside. It's not going to happen. It's got no value. It's a stupid idea. You acted on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I've had two good ideas, but one that's only really come to fruition in, in a larger way. And it, it's this, you know, and there's it, it just I don't. You know, the fact that I knew this guy who publishes Stephen King books, you know, it puts me at, a, at an advantage f rather than someone who has no idea where to start. Sure. I've been very lucky that I've made good relations with a lot of people, that I had this idea, that I knew someone who might be interested in it. 
And so what I did, what I woke up with this idea of writing this book is I, I said to this fellow, Richard Chismar, that morning on Facebook Messenger, hey, if I had an idea for a book for you, for you, what, how, what's the best way to give oh, this it is, to this you? This is the part that's going to burn anyone who's writing a book right, <laughs> right now. Continue. I said to him, what is the best way to give you my idea? And he's like, is it for a novel? And I said, no, it's for a book on the stand. The 40th anniversary is coming up. I was thinking that'd be really interesting to look at all the different versions, go out and talk to the people that created them, you know, it's celebrated such a, such a huge book in the Stephen King canon. How long was the phone call? Oh, it wasn't a phone call. It was a Facebook chat that lasted about oh. 10 minutes. And, and, and essentially, by the end of it? Richard was like, yeah, I would do this. So, but here's the thing. It was just an idea. Yes. You know, and ideas are like stars, you know, and I just that was it just seemed to be a good one. But it's not it's never that easy. It's only easy. It was only easy in that I knew someone who I thought might be interested. And you go from there and you kind of hope for the best. Um, are you discouraging people with ideas on Thought Revolution Radio not to pursue them, Andy Burns? No, I think pursuing an idea, <laughs> I think you should always pursue your ideas. Yes. But I think that, you know, it's got to be the, uh, in my opinion, it's got to be the right one. And it certainly helps, you know, uh, let me give you an example of what I thought was once a bad idea. I knew a guy that loves Batman. He loves Batman. And he said to me, hey, I've got this really great idea for a Batman movie. And uh, I, I just need to get it in front of someone. I'm like, no. That's not how it works. Right. You know, and that to me is like, that's not putting any thought into anything. But I will say any idea I've ever had that's come true, the path lights up. It just has its own energy. Sure. It has its own life. It takes its own sort of form. Right. You're not pushing against the grain. You're not swimming against the tide. It just it just unfolds and yours unfolded. It absolutely unfolded. And you know what? And it's like, I can't believe how it unfolded. And, you know, it wasn't the easiest part was the idea you know the easiest part was coming was going and saying what do you think you know people say no richard could very well have said no and i'd be mm. like okay and i don't know what i would have done mm. you know i don't know if i would have said okay well you know anyway carry on tomorrow has another idea with it exactly yeah but um this was a you know i i'm very privileged sold out thousand signed copies but we we might be doing some more we you and i yeah you and i we can yeah. do this together yeah. well you know what <sighs> Yes, it's sold out right now, which is incredible. You know, it's sold out. It was 80% sold out um, after the first email went out notifying uh, notifying people that it was available. Um, hopefully, you know, some will end up coming up. I may end up being able to, you know, I may end up get a bunch and being able to sell it. But, you know, it's, you know, this is the other thing, too, is like this is not necessarily a book that's going to make me a million dollars or sell 100,000 copies. But does it make you happy doing yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Bingo. That's the most important. That was the most yep. important thing. Um, you know, it's nice to get paid for your writing. You know, a lot of people don't. I'm, I'm lucky that I have, but I, not that I'm, I just, it wasn't about the money. It was about, there's a story, there was a story that I thought would be cool to tell. Project. Absolutely. Yeah. And everything else comes after it. I congratulate you, Andy Burns. This dark, dark chest of wonders, 40 years of the stand. What website can they keep uh, looking at? Go over to cemeterydance.com. Or uh, follow me on Twitter at BiffBamPop, which is the website that I run. And uh, yeah, hopefully there'll be some more uh, some more books available if people are interested. We've got an Olympic athlete on the way. And uh, what's new in the world of beauty? When the Sean Show continues here on SiriusXM Canada Talks Channel 167, this dark chest of wonders. I dated him once. You were wonderfully made. Marvelous, amorous, glorious, victorious.
You're listening to The Sean Prue Show with Sean Prue on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Who doesn't love an Olympic athlete? They bring tears to our eyes. They inspire us. And we've got one on the way coming up on The Sean Prue Show. But who doesn't love looking good, feeling good, and being beautiful? I don't know the person. Do you? Who's the Olympic athlete? That's what I want to know. Well, you stay tuned and you find out. That's called a tease. Jeff Norse. I'm going to wait. The genius behind New You Spas, uh, where you can get pretty much anything on the leading edge done uh, to look better, feel better. And you're always traveling the world, Jeff. You're in Morocco. I remember I got an invitation to go to Morocco the night before. Yeah, you should have came, by the way. Oh, my God. (laughs) You would have loved it. You would have loved it. I wanted. and We would have loved you. Just in Paris. Just in Paris. Was that for... uh, Finding out what's new in Butte, because Paris is this sort of No, I just place. go down for the Moulin June show. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about three really cool things. I want to I talk about this one first because you invited me to bring my dog. I don't remember what happened that day. You're going to send a nice car for me. Cryotherapy. Yeah, you should try this out for dogs. Well, so I, I've tried it out for me, and, uh, and it was a bit of a Facebook um, ad, and people kept coming up to me on the street saying, I saw you doing this cryotherapy. If you watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and I know you do, you saw the episode where they all got in this chamber, like an um, old-fashioned phone box without the lid, and the temperature dropped to what? Minus 130, minus 140. <laughs> and you stayed there for three minutes, longest three minutes of your life. But I'll tell you this, afterwards I felt like amazing. Come on, Sean. I three did. Minute, first three minutes of your life, come on. You remember no. what happened the first three minutes, <laughs> okay? It only took two. And then you were having a cigarette for a minute, come on. And then for a minute, uh, you were inviting me to bring my dog to this. You should absolutely try it. I should bring Ella. Absolutely bring Ella up. Ella has, what, what, what problems that Ella has? Oh, she's just 11. So you know, she has hip me, displacement. She has. She's a really healthy girl. She's she feels energetic. Yeah, I would just. She doesn't have any problems. No, no, no skin disorders. Nothing. No, she's my dog. She's perfect. Oh my god. No, but course. seriously, what she's was I talking healthy. about? What was I thinking about? <laughs> she's I'm very healthy. John. If the temperature drops to that level in humans, it does what? It sort of causes the alarms to go off. I, I, I think. In humans and dogs, it's the same thing. It okay. basically tricks your body into healing itself. Yes. No pharmaceuticals need. No nothing. Dogs, I'm telling you, we're the first people, by the way, in the world to introduce doggy cryotherapy. Second was Sweden. Third was Finland. Well, and I I think it's the old um, athletes get dunked in the ice water after practice or a game kind of thing, right? That's the reason. That's old style. I know, but it's it's that that same thinking, right? But you've seen seen the show The Ballers. You've seen these cool... So those are our cabins. When you see those cabins, you see the guy get in the cabin. He's on the back deck. That's not really. It's not really cryotherapy because right. the tank's not turned on. But that's what we're doing. We're doing cryotherapy on these. Major sports athletes these days are doing cryotherapy. If they're saying they're not, they're lying to you. And so it's good for joints. Them. It's good for a blood pressure. It's good for internal healing. I know I slept better for a little while after doing Absolutely it. good for sleeping. Skin gets better. Yeah. Uh, it starts testosterone to, goes testosterone up. goes up, but you need more than one. Right. You got to take you gotta, cryotherapy is a thing. It's kind of like diet nutrition. You got to do it ongoing. Right? Yes, you know you got to keep doing exactly what you're doing. But what I liked about it is that I did feel a difference right away. And and sometimes you go for these these treatments or whatever, not necessarily with you, but you don't see the difference right away, or you don't feel the difference. You really go back twenty times. You got to you know go I mean? about five to ten times. You're right. It's like getting your hair removed. We'll talk about that one in a minute. But, but you know, I had to go 16 times for my back once. 
Yeah, but scary. you went to the wrong place before us. I didn't know you then. Yeah, well. So with um, with dogs, what are we treating, or or is it just like I was I was joking but serious? Read the phone I just gave you. Read it out. Oh, read your notes. Come on, do do a little work, John. Oh, your this phone is, is the locked. best thing, by the way. Your phone is locked. I'm My get password you to be is a good nineteen guest. twenty nineteen. <laughs> 19, 20, 19 for the rest Did of the I years. Did I mention Jeff is an original? <laughs> 19, 20, 19. But look it up. It's like, it literally, who loves their dog more than themselves? Dude, I do. I have three dogs. I'm like a bull. I'm sorry. I've gone into your photos. Okay, wait a second. Back, back that up. Back that up. <laughs> and who's that? And why wasn't I invited? And what? You were. You were the one taking Titan, the pictures. Titan, Those are your whoa. pictures. Okay, so you're going to have to tell me. You're going to have to tell us. Um, what what would a dog do? And I know I've seen I've seen it. It's like a dog crate, and their head comes out. You've seen the, the you've seen the video. Yeah, I watched let's your video. Lo- you want let's put the video on your site so people can watch it. It's cool. The dog I have I have a Rottweiler, a Shepherd, and a Pitbull. And when they first went into the thing, or not the Pitbull, because he's little babies, like he's on he's nine weeks old. This dog, oh, bless. brand new. So my first dogs would go in there, and the Rottweiler would be like freaking out. Now when he sees the thing, he jumps in it literally sits down and goes let's do it wow these dogs are so well trained they can't even stop themselves and they obviously like it every dog that goes in that cryotherapy chamber i guarantee you and they bring back 100 percent. it's cheap too it's like 50 bucks it's not it's not a lot not a lot of money and every and every single sean prue viewer by the way if they say sean prue between the now and the next next they can't see us you can't see us <laughs> my god i put a three-piece suit on you can't see us i thought we were on tv jeff norris is an original stay with us i'm kidding but every every single sean prue uh Listener. follower okay we'll have employee pricing it'll wow. cost you nothing it'll cost you like 10 bucks between now and next monday how about that all right i'm gonna i'm well yes it's a I'm, big deal you, you come on the show and you give these deals away. The show's going to air on the weekend, so we're going to run it for the next week. I go for two weeks. Two Whatever weeks. Sean says. Two weeks. Whatever Sean says. This is what you do. You're going to go to my Facebook page at officialshampru at facebook.com, and you're going to see the video we just mentioned and uh, the, the deal that Jeff has just generously uh, offered us. And then you're going to tell us, Jeff, about this thing called Artist Robot. Okay, so that's human beings now. No, yeah, we're, we're back we're to humans. To sorry, sorry. Old guys like Sean and I. Like, honestly, when you lose your hair a little bit, because you lose your testosterone, what do you want to do? You're going to do PRP. You're going to do hair fillers. There's a lot of things you weave, can do. Weave, a nice weave. I'm losing a bit. I'm losing <laughs> a bit either. of hair. We're all losing a little hair as we get older, right? And the artist robot will literally, you sit in a chair. It's fully automated. So before you used to have to use what's called the few technology, they'd have to go into your head. They'd have to literally pull the thing out, put it in there, mm. grab it, and then stick it back in. It was a long, tedious thing. For 1,500 hairs, right. it would take you half a day. Ugh. It was called, what was what called, people used to call it, I don't know, it's a joke. It looked awful. Now it's done by a robot. <clears throat> so literally your own hair is transplanted back to wherever you want. Video photography is literally provided. So exactly the way, it's like a painting. You say, this is what I want the painting to look like, your hair. Wow. And that's what your hair is going to look like. And it is, this, it literally just launched in Paris, by the way. So it's been around for about three years, but it's never been fully automated. So now it's fully automated. This is a very expensive piece of equipment, but it works amazingly. And it's not a lot of money for people like you and I. It's like five, ten grand. Ten grand for a whole head of hair. Redone. Whole head of hair. Five grands for a Could little we do bit. do something of, with little, Aaron? Little look, at all, look at how his hair loss here. We're going to take all his hair. We're going <laughs> to stick it on your head and my head. <laughs> and, and like 4,000 other people as well. You've got a, he's got a huge head of hair. 
plasma technology, also uh, something new. If you have eyes and if you're aging, you can use it for that, I know. Absolutely. For blefs, normally people would have to put fillers underneath their eyes or do fractional. And what's uh, a bluff? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's basically a surgery where you pull your eyes back underneath and you you look suck the fat out. Nah, you to be honest with you, to tell you the truth, you look yeah. awful for about a couple of months, and you basically take all your skin back. It's not about fat. <clears throat> it's when you get the bags underneath your eyes. I thought that was fat. No, it's just it's just that's just wrinkles. Okay. In fact, it's not fat. It, the more fat you have, the less wrinkles you have. Oh. Yeah. So the older we get, the more wrinkles we have. Even around, even around your eyes, when you do the Botox for your, for your, around your eyes, you do, you do, you know what 11s are. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, I know 11s. You know what 11s are. So you can actually do now this technology to replace Botox, literally. Botox wow. is kind of on its way out. Sorry, it's, Allergan. So, so, so is it an injection? Is it a, no, who's it's, plasma? It, it's light-based technology and there's, again, there's like 10 different lasers. This this technology is relatively new. It's only been out for three years in Germany and London. Now it's in Canada. Who's plasma? Plasma is light-baked technology. Okay. <laughs> Forget about the word Just plasma. Plasma, plasma is like plasma in your body and everything like that, but that's really different. This is what they've called it. So yeah. let me ask you this. As this kind of service is available to the consumer, are we seeing invasive surgeries drop in, you know, around the world in every single year? Like who gets there a facelift now? Like when you can go in and just laser things and inject true. things. Very, very true. I wouldn't say dropping because it used to increase 20, 30%. Now it's probably decreasing maybe 5% a little bit. Yeah. But non-invasive technologies are up 40% a year for the last, on average, sorry, on average of the last 10 years, 23%. But the last year, 40%. And pe like crazy. people are starting this at a young age, too, all of this stuff. Absolutely. I've been into New Year many yeah. times. There's like young, young, young people. They're yeah. like five years old. Botox. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With you bring your kids in and exactly. And they're Botox dogs. my kid and my dogs and cryotherapy my face. and. Jeff Norse, uh, time's up. Nice to see you. NewYearSpas.com and go to Facebook.com backslash Sean Prue. And I will scramble and get that all up online. The video and the offer Jeff just made us. And we're going to find out who the Olympic athlete is in just a moment. The Sean Prue Show continues here on SiriusXM, Canada Talks, Channel 167. You were wonderfully made, marvelous, amorous, glorious, Welcome back to the Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Here's Sean Prue. The Olympic athlete is Anastasia Biusis, Canada's first openly gay uh, figure of speed skater. It was such a nice beginning. And then I called you a figure skater. That's all right. I've been called worse. Have you? Oh, Shall we keep way going? Worse. Yeah. Can we keep going? Yeah. We won't even edit this. No. Keep Sometimes I call myself a. Sp uh, see, I almost did that. Figure skater. I'm a speed skater. But speed skating seems a little bit more. I wanted to be a figure skater. To did be you? Honest. Yeah. I remember watching Oksana Bayul win gold yes. in '94, and I just thought, to be honest, I should have known that I was gay right then and there because I thought it was just like the <laughs> most amazing thing in my life. It was so artistic and athletic and. Anyways, long story short, I, I didn't become a figure skater. Why speed then? My parents wanted to uh, teach me how to skate, 
and they just put me in like a learn to skate at the Calgary Olympic. Ugh, at the Calgary Olympic. We're gonna Oval. do this because we're both on air professionally, and we're, we're gonna so stumble. Nervous. No, don't be nervous. <laughs> I'm not don't nervous. Don't be nervous. You have the. I've met a few Olympic athletes before, uh, Tewksbury a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, you have that presence that they all have. I'm not sure what that is, but it's like uber athlete in the room. As soon oh as you walked gosh. in, you're with with a rep. I know you're not an Olympic athlete. Because I'm not be. a little, No, oh. no, you have that. Thank burr. you. Thank you. No one has told me that, actually. No, you do. You have that presence. You're also a self-proclaimed 12 out of 10 homosexual. <laughs> there, there's a point to this, and we're going to get to it in a minute. Uh, yeah, no, I. <laughs> that's probably one of the um, terms that I overuse. Mm. But uh, yeah, that's, that's probably pretty accurate rating. So I think about um, gay sports uh, Olympics, and I think about Mark Tewksbury, mm-hmm. because I'm old enough to remember his whole story, the trajectory of his win to losing contracts when he came out mm-hmm. as gay. Um, do you have any uh, experience that mirrors that in any way, or are you just young and fresh and dewy enough, which you are, uh, to have missed all of that because of the progress that's happened in our world? So Mark Tewksbury is actually a really good friend of mine, and um, he's been instrumental in my personal life and professional life. I'm, I was really happy to have him on Player's Own Voice podcast, of course. Um, but when I came out, I came out publicly right before Sochi, uh, just because I, I remembered how incredibly lonely and anxious and confused I was when I was in the closet. And I thought, okay, well, if I can lend my name or my face to any athlete and, and help them throughout this own, their own struggle... Um, than I would. And so when I did, and I I had no clue, I was the only athlete from North America to come out publicly Mm. in opposition to the Mm anti-LGBTQ laws in Russia. And by the way, good for you. Thank you. Good for you. No, thank you. It's weird to say like, oh, you're proud of yourself, but like... No, be proud of yourself. Thank you. Yeah. I I was happy with that. And he he was just, he reached out and and he's been a huge friend and, and mentor ever since. So... When I came out to answer your question, um, I, Lululemon was my biggest sponsor, and they were like, kid, we yes. are with you 100%. Yes. So thank God I didn't have to um, kind of experience what he did, but I'm so grateful that you know he's paved the way paved for the so way. many people. Yeah, Coming out to you was what? Because I think a lot of people who listen to this who are straight don't understand that if you're LGBT, coming out is a part of who you are. It's going to happen at some point for most people. What was it like for you, especially with a spotlight on you the way it was? Yes. I mean, I I was, I was, I'm a kid from Calgary. Mm. Um, My dad wears a cowboy hat and, uh, you know, Catholic conservative upbringing, lovely, Mm. lovely, lovely human beings. Uh, But, you know, when you think of, you know, pro LGBTQ culture, you don't necessarily think of Calgary right off the hop. I didn't have any. (laughs) I didn't have. No, you don't. (laughs) Um, And I love Calgary. I'm very proud to be from there. But it was just lonely. Right. And, And I didn't know. I really didn't know what that meant for my identity or for my future or my happiness or, you know, you always want to be. Were you out to your family already? I was, yeah. Um, my closest family members. When I yes. came out publicly, I realized, oh, God, you know, I forgot Uncle Jerry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas was like uh, yeah, a little bit of an elephant. But um, no, I was I was just oh, welcomed with open arms. So it was lovely. Going forward um, to Sochi, it was a little bit of a 
I mean, it was a hot topic, and mm. I think it was it was under such a, a magnifying glass that not many people, you know, the COC, the Canadian Olympic Committee, they didn't really know how to handle it. Um, Did the other athletes know how to handle it? No, like no. no one, and I didn't really know how to handle myself too, because on one hand, people were like, "Hey, kid, like, good for you, but just go and skate around in a circle, like, just shut up and be a speed skater." Yeah. And I ident- I identified with that, and then the LGBTQ community were like you can't let this opportunity pass you by. Like you, you have a voice for everyone. You're on the biggest stage. So there was a little bit of a tension there and I, I didn't really know how to marriage those. Backlash at all in any way. Uh, you get, you get the, uh, the odd you get the dummy on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Um, but nothing that meant something. No, no, no. And that meant everything, you know, like I, I was just so, honored by kind of the unified nature of and it didn't even happen right away you know because I do think that there was a little bit of a lag because people didn't know what to do or how Mm. you know how to approach the conversation but um, people like Mark Tewksbury and Brian Burke and Mm -hmm. and you know these iconic people that kind of came out and said well you know (laughs) if you want to get to her you got to get get through us so I, I was very lucky. Player's Own Voice is the podcast. Anastasia mentioned the reason you're here, uh, a CBC Sports podcast at cbc.ca backslash podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, you host this every week. You're joined by some of Canada's top athletes, and they talk to you about their inner lives uh, and personal experiences as as Olympians. Yes. And I guess it's a lot of what we're talking about right now, what, what it was like for you. Were you aware you were gay as the long road to the Olympics uh, unfolded all the training, the young age at which you started? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is like, oh, see, now this is like, uh, you're, you're hosting me for my podcast because this <laughs> is something that I don't talk about all the time. Um, or I, I talk, I've done a lot of public speaking, of course, on that story. But um, I came out to myself right before the Vancouver Olympics. I had just qualified for this Olympics. And when did you know you were gay though? Yeah, no, when? like I, like honestly I came out to my, so I didn't even know, like I almost, I, I, I was so good at keeping myself so incredibly busy, you know, school, speed skating, my friends, um, you know, church, whichever yeah. it was, I just was always like, I, I was brought up in a, in a family where sex was something you had after, you know, when you were married. So it wasn't even like, which it is. Yeah, kids, no, it, it, is. it has not changed, but <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't allow myself to even think about it. Right. So it was like just so far back and I was buddies with all the boys. So mm. I like, why would I have a crush with, on one of my friends, you know? So it just wasn't a part of my identity or even it didn't take up much space in my brain. Mm. Qualified for Vancouver 2010, Clara Hughes, Cindy Clausen, Christina Grote, like everyone that's just like transcended speed skating is on this team. And I'm thinking, I just, you know, I just reached this goal. I just reached this dream and I don't feel any different. And I'm so lonely and I'm so confused. And I thought that this label of making this dream, it was like a little bit of an existential crisis. And when finally, after riding that high of qualifying for the Olympics, which is lovely, it's amazing emotion, but it's still exhausting Mm -hmm. because emotions, whether good or bad are exhausting. I kind of had this crash and I was like, I'm gay. And it was the first, and I like I look at my life before and after that mm-hmm. because I just had no. 
before I, your authentic self yeah. expressed itself. Yeah, and the first yes. thing I did though was start dating a boy because <laughs> I just was so confused. every lesbian does it. I know, and and I love him to death. I Me too. love him. Yeah, I so I I got to Vancouver, and I was I was so confused, and I connected with someone, and that, that someone is Patrick Chan, and we dated almost for two years. I love him with all of my heart. Um, he's just what such a great guy. What did he say when you came out? Um, I, someone outed me actually to him. That was, that was, uh, you don't do that to anyone. Cause it's like, that's my story. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, and so I, I, I saw him in Sochi, um, and he just gave me the biggest hug. And of course we've talked about it, but I'm so, so lucky to have had him in my life during that time. And, uh, you know, people come into your life and they change it. And I'm grateful that, that he was one of those people. We're going to take a quick break and come back. Do you think um, uh, sexuality is fluid? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Big question answered in one word. The Sean Prue Show continues more with Olympic athlete Anastasia. Busis. Bu- <laughs> Honey, come on. I'm kind of mesmerized by you because you've got that <laughs> Olympic oomph. So forgive me. The Sean Bruce Show continues. <laughs> Sirius XM Canada Docs Channel 167. Listening to the Sean Prue Show with Sean Prue on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. It's true, it's true, you are, and I'm with Canadian speed skating Olympian Anastasia. Oh, just kidding, I knew what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I studied in the commercial break. Uh, we were just talking about your journey uh, into the Olympics uh, and your journey with your authentic self as a, as a gay person. Uh, your wonderful new podcast, Player's Own Voice, is available at cbc.ca backslash podcasts. And uh, it's not just LGBT folk that no. you are interviewing, but you do it. You do talk to a lot of people. We've mentioned Mark Tewksbury. Eric Radford. With Mark, you took away what by the end of the, the, the taping of that podcast? I asked, you know what? I straight up asked him. I was like, because I can even sometimes get sick of my own voice. And I said, do you ever get kind of sick of being such a fierce advocate? Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, and, and he said it. I remember we did a documentary together right after Sochi or during Sochi and then kind of in the months following and he was like, I can't believe that I'm still the guy that gets asked all these mm-hmm. questions. Like, that was 20 years ago. He um, was the first guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, he's so eloquent and lovely mm-hmm. that he's, he's, we owe him I was so going to say, but. I mean, you can't ask for a better champion of sports yeah. and LGBT sports than that guy. Like, he has shown up at every single thing I've ever heard of. Yeah. The gay games, for example, and, and all the Olympics. So Sochi was a voice there mm-hmm. I mean, he's really got this uh, i mean I'm, i know this is about you but i used to have a crush on mark so we'll talk about him for just yeah a no no i two. even have a little crush on mark no he's, he's he's just very like crushable he's he um yeah and he really walks a talk right like i mm. said when i came out like he he got i don't know he got my email from someone and was there within 24 hours like he really yeah he's, he's just a good guy and and um He's really the salt of the earth. Is there a difference, uh, sticking with LGBT athletes for a minute more, 
um, of their trajectory with their rise to wherever they go with the Olympics versus people who are straight? Does ever, talking to these people, do you walk away going, yeah, no one has had it, uh, a clean path? Yeah. Because the gay thing gets in the way in some way. In some ways, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I, I also think there is like a real universal narrative right now where, you know, these athletes come out and they're like, I'm coming out so no one else really has to. Yes. Like, and And as I just said, sometimes I get sick of my own voice, you know, telling my own story. And I think... You know, if you look at my life, I, I have other areas of privilege and I, I'm educated. I'm relatively wealthy. I have a lot of opportunities that come my You're way. You're gorgeous and you have that <laughs> Olympic oomph when you walk in the room. Oh, keep going. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, certainly. Uh, there, there's certainly, you know, on one hand, a lot of people have shared experience of mm. bullying and, and just kind of that confusion of, or, you know, struggle to accept yourself. Um, but Straight athletes have certain issues as well. So every, they're straight. You know, <laughs> <laughs> big issue. <laughs> it's uh, there. There's just been yeah. We've had some really good conversations, and some you know some are are very you know flippant. It's just it's mm. it's not to devalue it. It's it's just kind of in passing. And I think that um, that really is a reflection of how sport has changed. I mean, we are we've got a long way to go, but we've also come a long way. What do you think um, people listening to this don't know about Olympic athletes? We're very much human and we what, crave what, what what what? Yeah, no. Yeah. We're like we are just very 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 fallible weak human beings at certain times that just have had a lot of opportunities to to chase our dreams. What about the why of chasing those dreams? Like in entertainment and media, I get the why of of chasing it for a lot of people, uh, myself included. It's that kind of needs the attention, needs the accolades, didn't get it as a child, was that that whole, what about an athlete though of of your caliber? So this is funny because I don't really identify... So I have so many, it sounds silly, I have so many like super successful famous friends that I don't consider myself all that successful, to be honest. Like, wow. I, you know, I was at a dinner party with um, <laughs> Tessa, Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer and Joanny Rochette and Dave Pelche and Charlene Labonte. And here we are like drinking white wine and eating oysters and just getting silly off of some Pinot Grigio. Mm. And I'm like... God, if a bomb went off in this room, like what would happen? <laughs> so like, you know, I don't necessarily, I'm not, I'm not going to bed patting myself on the back for how fast I could skate as a speed skater. And to be honest, not many people are, you know, I don't think that uh, Scott Moyer is going to bed going, no. I am the most decorated, you know, figure skater ever. Um, but what's the, pro- what, what's the propeller? For, for me, for, 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 you, for me, I just knew that, if I were to walk away, I'd be quitting on myself because right. I knew I had so much more to give. Right. And it's it's like I just hate to lose. I don't even really care that much about winning. I just don't like losing. And and there's a big difference between losing versus being beat too. Yes. Because yes. you you can be faster than me, but if I if I skated up to my potential and I did everything in my control, yes. And you were just faster than me on that given day, I'm totally fine with that. But losing is like getting in your own way, negative talk, not trusting your training or the process or your body so there's a lot of mind games do the general public know the amount of sacrifice that an olympian puts in no 
no. And in, I mean, sacrifice is like such, there's such a negative connotation of that word. And I never thought I was sacrificing anything, but I certainly wasn't eating like chicken wings on a Tuesday mm. evening. And now or going I do. out with your friends necessarily. Yeah. Like our Olympic trials, our World Cup cha- uh, trials, World Championship trials were always on the 27th of December. So Ugh. from <laughs> from about from about I'm out. Yeah, like 14, 15 years old until I was 27 when I retired. It. I never I mean, I had, you know, I had the holidays, but you're not having eggnog and no. rum. No. If you could tell people listening to this uh, one thing, if they're if they're um set on a dream, whether it's it's sports or whatever it is, what do you know about making your dream happen? Integrity is everything. Mm. And sex success without integrity is really not success. You know, you have to uh you have to live with yourself at the end of the day. And I think to be so, so, so hyper focused and aware of you know, or chasing this idea of success. It's its so cliched, but it's not really about the destination. It's about mm-hmm. the journey. So enjoy the process. Mm-hmm. And it's such a, you know, it's kind of this dichotomy or it's its silly to it say. It is a cliche, but that's the truth. It's the truth. It's and the truth. when you give up your need to have something, it comes back to you so yeah. much faster. Yeah. Uh, then all of a sudden you retire as you have. Mm-hmm. And what happens? I get a job. What happens with the focus? What happens with the, you know, the, the, the grueling schedule? Yeah. I, I mean, it's difficult, right? It's, it's, I've had, I've been, to be honest, I'm probably more on the success story side because mm-hmm. I have a lovely job and I'm so happy. And, and I, I don't think I've ever been happier in my life, to be honest. I just love what I do. I love living in Toronto. Um, my relationship with myself is better than ever. Uh, very, very, very genuinely happy. Do you have a girlfriend or a wife? I, I do. Yeah. You do. Yeah. I bet you you do. She's in Calgary though. That's so lovely. I get I get to go back home quite a bit, um, and I I'm very very grateful for that. Yes. But uh, yeah, when I when I retired, I I drank a lot of beer for sure. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and I ate a lot of donuts. I, I didn't eat donuts. We were just saying this. I don't crave sugar, but like for sure, it's just those silly things of like, oh, it's wing night. I would mm. never go out to wing night. I would think, oh, do you know how much fat is in one wing? Now it's like, I don't care. I'm, I'm excited for the deal and for my friends. Do you miss it? <laughs> I do. Mm. I miss the competition for sure. I don't miss training. Training is really tough. Speed skating is a difficult. It's sport. too bad you can't just compete. They just show up and I know. Compete. I wish. I actually have thought to myself, I'm like, I wonder if I could have like two days to like skate for a little bit and stretch and whatnot because I don't work out too much anymore. Um, yeah, I wonder what my times would be. It would be pretty pathetic, but do you have any I do. regrets from this experience of being an Olympic athlete? No, no, certainly not. Um, I mean, you go through trials that like stress your character. And there are certain things that I've been able to, um, you know, maneuver or or kind of brace the storm with with a little bit stronger of a character. And I would regret, you know, if if I broke that character in any capacity. But I really have no regrets. You interview uh, Chris Mosier. 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 Yeah. Mosier. I'm so good with the last names today. Role model for a generation of LGBTQs competitors. You say that his perspective on male privilege should give everyone pause for thought. Now I need to ask you, 
what's his perspective on male privilege? So he's the first trans athlete to make a U.S. national team. Yes. Transitioned um, female to male. Yep. And he is so beautiful. <laughs> like, I just love him so much. He's so eloquent and so enlightened and engaging. Um, and he says, yeah, you know, I, I went from a masculine presenting female to a white male dude. And he's like, it's unbelievable. Right. So that's where I'd, I'd stop it there. Right. But yeah. Right. You've got to listen to more of Player's Own Voice available at cbc.ca backslash podcast. You can get it on iTunes, Google Play and Stitcher as well. Your delight. Your delight. I wish you you joy. Thank you very much. I can't say last names to save my life today, but I can wish you that. You know what? Just just go by one name, like Cher or Madonna. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah. What would we call you? Anastasia. I I get, yeah, Anastasia. I get Stasi. Stasi. Not Anna. We're not doing an Anna. I do get Anna, but that's not fierce enough. Hmm. I like you. Thanks. Hmm. I would love to come back. I, I think you should come back. <laughs> Season one is, is, is done. Season one is done, yeah. Okay. Anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, favorite athlete you've ever interviewed? Oh, my God. I mean, this is terrible because she's one of my best friends, but Tessa Bonham. Tessa Bonham. Bonham, yeah. c'est toujours. That's it for the Sean Prue Show here on Series XM <laughs> Canada Talks, Channel 167. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Of my rebel